All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? It is time for OnComicsGrounds.com's flagship podcast, Panel to Panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are back once again, once again, talking about all that good nerdy news and awesome stuff that we love about comic books. This week here on Panel to Panel, we will be doing one of our annual now. Like, this is turning into an annual, annual tradition uh, where we roast one of the worst comics or comic events that we have ever read in our entire lives. We are officially at, at uh, roast number three, where the first roast was uh, DC's Cry for Justice, and then um, we also roasted uh, All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, so go check those those episodes out if you are interested. But today, I'm still having nightmares about those episodes. <laughs> Bro, I'm the fucking Batman. Keep your mask on. I'm the goddamn Batman. <laughs> anyway... Um, on today's roast, we're, we're jump, like we are going to move across the pond to the other the other giant publisher of the big two because although we're, we're going to be truly honest with you folks, nobody is safe from a roast of panel to panel because this time we are going to be covering um, the what was it the twenty fifteen what was is that when uh, Civil War two came out uh, 2016. That's what I thought. Okay, 20, the, the 2015 event, Civil War II, written by... Actually, 20, well, the, the wiki says 2016. So the 2016 a comic book event written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by David Marquez. The, the, the event that really questioned my belief that Marvel could publish a good comic book. Uh, Civil <laughs> War II. So... Let's let uh, before we begin. Uh, let me holler at y'all and uh, talk about who hosts this show because I totally skipped over what, 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 uh, who was here. My name is James Portis. Um, this book scarred me for life as a child, not really as a child, as a young adult. Um, to my left, we have the woman who used to sell these books to, uh, to to the readers of the world and hates that she did it. We have Mary. How are you doing this evening? We couldn't. Gives Civil War two away. The only book that sold worse than this was Secret Empire. Oh, we'll get we'll we'll, we'll get to that one. I feel like we need to get, do that one at some point. It won't be the next roast because I feel like we need to go further back for the next Marvel roast. But like, we gonna get to it. 
Um, I actually no, I don't even think Secret Empire deserves a roast. I feel like it deserves a dissection because, in theory, Secret Empire could have been great, but the marketing, the controversy, and the rewrites ruined that book. But we'll get to that at some point. Um, and to my right, we have the man who I, I, I did. Did you read this book before you uh, before this, Travis? No, but I remember the parts I didn't like. Okay. <laughs> so we have the man who is who's new to the pains of Civil War II and has now uh, joined us in sorrow over what was the all new, all different Marvel generation of comics. We have Travis Tucker. How you doing, Zuni? Pretty good. I feel like I'm going to be the the proper other angle here because, like, my only comic impression of Carol Danvers other than Marvel vs. Capcom is this. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. Is gonna be, this is going to be interesting. Karen All Danvers, right. bro. We'll get to that. Oh, God. Okay. So let's, let's set the stage here, folks. So... 2015 had had arisen, and during 2015, we had the f- the finale of Jonathan Hickman's giant arc that was split between Fantastic Four and then Avengers, where he had led up to this giant, world-ending, multiverse-destroying reboot that Marvel had instructed him to write. And then at the last minute, they choked on it. They literally said, we're not going to do the reboot. We're, we're going to restart the universe but we're not going to do the reboot because originally the pitch was we were going to do a new 52 style thing with Marvel and fully reboot the universe. But they chickened out of it at the last minute and just reset the status quo and moved forward because a lot of the things that were going on in the secret wars event. And prior to that, there was a lot of books that were just launching. like some things like all new uh, Captain America. There was a couple different things that were going on like West coast Avengers. I believe I just kicked off and a couple of things like that. And oh, 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 yeah, Squadron Supreme was a thing as well. I remember that at the time. And a lot of books were just kind of canceled because of all new, all different Marvel. The new um, launching point for the entire universe was beginning to kick off. And you had amazing books um, like uh, Miles Morales Spider Man, despite Bendis not knowing what the fuck he was doing. You had Sam Wilson Captain America, Steve Rogers Captain America. You had all, all the Inhumans books, despite me not ha- having an interest in the Inhumans. I will uh, recognize that they were a good starting point for a lot of new readers. Um, the X Men books, despite being in the worst period for the X-Men, and soon they would be roped into one of the worst comic book events ever called Apocalypse Wars, uh, they were in a decent place because you had things like Jeff Lemire and Cullen Bunn returning to the to, to the X-Men. And we don't talk about all new X-Men because we, we don't respect the time displaced X-Men in this house, and we will talk about that at some point. Um, just not today. Um, but in general, this was supposed to be a new era for comics because you had a lot of new legacy characters in the picture. You had Sam Wilson, Captain America. You had Jane Foster, Thor. You had Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, uh, like uh, Sam Alexander Nova, all stepping into prominent roles to the point that the entire Avengers lineup was all of those people and Tony Stark, Iron Man, and Vision. And it was it was actually a really good book, despite Bendis being all over the board. Um, all new, all different Avengers was a great jumping on point for a lot of people because it, it signaled the new generation, the next step in evolution for Marvel Comics. But, but it would uh, it wouldn't last for too long. 
because on the horizon, despite amazing things like um, totally awesome Hulk arriving, um, Al Ewing's Ultimates arriving, Civil War Two would be announced as a um, how do I phrase this? A launch pad slash jumping on point for people who would go see the Captain America Civil War movie. That this would be a hook, a sequel to come in and pick up where the iconic original Civil War event comic ended. But in reality, that was just a marketing tactic because this event had nothing to do with the original Civil War. So, what is the hook line? What is the reason why our heroes would be at war this time? Well, funny you should ask that, folks, because it's uh, somebody called Tom Cruise because it's literally just Minority Report. Is that is that a fair comparison? Is that a fair comparison? Yes. That's literally all it is. <laughs> all he so, did was take all the random like orphans dudes and like was just like, here's Ulysses King. Here you go. So let's explain. So the, um, when packaging this book, you not only have to read the trade, but you also have to read the free comic book data issue that's included with the trade. Because the free comic book day issue is sort of an in-between between issue zero and issue one. Because the entire event is based off of this new Inhuman that at the time, prior to, like, like there's apparently like a five to six month uh, time gap between, between Secret Wars and when all new, all different Marvel starts. But prior to Secret Wars, during the Infinity event, for those folks who weren't around reading Marvel at the time, because Marvel was kind of in a shit place back then, too, um, during the Marvel Now stuff and Jonathan Hickman's Avengers, which was one of the like, few like bright points of the Avengers uh, time period, um, there was a crazy event where, in the Infinity thing, Black Bolt launched a Terrigen bomb as a last resort to attempt to kill Thanos. And in that process, the Terrigen bomb had been stored as a way, as a last vestige to save the, the inhuman race. But it didn't, like, really lead to just that. Because this Terrigen bomb released two clouds, these giant weather clouds, that would fly across the entire Earth and begin changing in, uh, humans that had a dormant inhuman DNA into inhumans. And man... Did Marvel think they were geniuses for this one? Because oh, this was their whole forget, Don't forget, oh, it's toxic to mutants. Yeah, no, I was going to get to yep. that. Because uh, not only does it make all mutants sterile, which we've just kind of forgotten about. I found that very funny. Not only does that make all mutants sterile, it slowly starts killing select mutants. It slowly, it, it was like, like for like, it was basically a, a plague that was killing certain mutants. So, if you read the Death of X event, it highlights how Cyclops in that five-month period attempted his best to eliminate the clouds and even threw one of the mutants, Elixir, into one of the clouds and had him absorb all of it to the point that it killed him. So, like, this this was basically Disney and Marvel's big attempt to erase the X-Men from existence because they didn't have the X-Men rights from Fox. So they were trying their best to eliminate the X-Men from uh, public consciousness and make the Inhumans be the prime focus of the Marvel Universe moving forward. Even tried to make a lot of race racist and homophobic allegories with the Inhumans, tried to make them the new focus of diversity in the Marvel Universe, and 
Suffice it to say, it didn't work because the Inhumans oh, didn't work. Say, didn't work as an understatement. It was a colossal failure. Yeah, Mary, you, you were the one like on the front lines of this in the comic shop. Speak on it real quick before we get into the event on how like the Inhumans really weren't as popular as Marvel perceived them to be. It, it's just that the book sold all right, but it has the benefit of being a Jack Kirby creation. Yeah. And Marvel was really banking on that. And that's the problem with trying to replace a long-standing comic institution. It's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it was never going to work. And, and admittedly, this is more of a personal opinion, but I find the X-Men to be a bit more relatable than the Inhumans. Yeah. Because the Inhumans have, like, an established monarchy and moon base and shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with the mutants, prior to the whole, you know, Krakoa magic island utopia thing. Oh god, don't even get started on no, I fucking loved their politics, though. God we're, damn we're, it. We're, we're gonna talk, I think that, that might be our next thing, is trying to get people caught up on what the fuck is going on with the X-Men. That might be our next big move, Marvel-wise, in the next few weeks. So, that might be fun time. But and ahead, I think... Mary. I think mutants were just tailor-made for the social commentary. And yes. they and honestly, just Claremont alone did so much social commentary with the mutants that the response I was seeing a lot in the shop was, why are they just retelling insert X-Men story here? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, that's a really damning accusation. And I'm not even getting into the absolute catastrophe that was that TV show. Oh God! First, there was the sh the, the Agents of Shield tie-ins. Then it was the TV show, and it just TV it show. Was, there was X Men TV show with Krakoa no, in no, it. No, 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 the Inhumans no, TV Inhumans. show. And it oh, 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 and oh. it's to the mark that they released the first two episodes in theaters in IMAX. In IMAX. So bad. Well, like so Travis. Travis, bad. you've seen you've seen Spawn, right? Uh, of course I've seen Spawn. <laughs> That's what Medusa's hair looked like. What? It looked like Medusa's hair looked like Spawn's cape. In, like, today's graphics? Yes. yes. Oh. <laughs> and, 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 she only had the hair for, like, the first two episodes. They cut, they cut her hair. They literally had fucking um, Black Bolt's brother shave her head to save oh the CG God. budget. Did you know Medusa's name is Medusalith? Um. And then there's Blackagar Boltagon. See, I know about Blackagar Boltagon. That's actually his name. Mm -hmm. Medusalith is her name. <sighs> so from there, the reason why we, we explained all this is because the entire hook for the event of Civil War II is similar to another event that Brian Michael Bendis wrote that we'll talk about at some point, because one of my favorite events that he's ever written is House of M, where he takes a random MacGuffin child or MacGuffin person and turns them into a primary focus for an entire event and use them as the scapegoat to make things happen. Uh, in House of M, it was 
Layla Miller. And here we have Ulysses. I don't even remember that they ever even said his last name. Um, and in this, Ulysses is some random uh, hippie kid who went to Ohio State University. And I hate that because I live in Ohio. And he's literally there where he just happened to be out on the front lawn of the campus when the inhuman terrigen cloud blew through town. And sim and uh, like all of the the the, the 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 college kids are just out on the front lawn of the campus, excited for when the cloud hits to see their their change finally occur. And only two of them uh, become encased in cocoons because that's what happens when you become an inhuman. You're encased in the cocoon, and then finally you break out of the cocoon and have your abilities. And when the the the, the two people broke out of the cocoons. Um, the the other person who wasn't Ulysses, the, uh, the, it was a, it was a woman. She turns into this crazy bat demon creature and flies away. And it, it was so funny because like her mom was there and was so excited for her to be able to realize her destiny. And then she just busts out and becomes a demon. And everyone's like, "What the fuck?" But Ulysses breaks out of the cocoon and has no changes done to him. And they're like, wait, wh why are you, wh are you an inhuman? Like, what's going on, bro? And then he, his eyes light up and he sees a vision and he sees the world exploded and in ruins. And he starts running away and trying to hide until the inhumans find him and take him in and tell him that he's special. And you notice the allegories here, folks, because it's been done a time and time again by the X-Men. Moving on. Where from there we jump into issues uh, zero and one of Civil War uh, two, where we have basically um, Captain Marvel, Carol Dan Danvers, who is going to be the, our primary focus of this event, and who we uh, at least two of us believe that. Brian Michael Bendis went out of his way to basically line up the shot to assassinate this woman's character. And also, can we? Can we acknowledge how Bendis was like, you know, uh, the the ultimates are probably going to be a sacrifice for this, but fuck it. Like, literally. Because that if, if you ever read Bendis, and I, 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 I swear, Brian Michael Bendis, I may yell about your works, but if you ever come on this show, I want to have a, an intelligent conversation with you about what, why did you make these choices? Because not only did you just let Miles Morales fall on the wayside, you have a recorded history of just giving other people's work the middle finger, like Age of Ultron, where you gave Dan Slott the finger about the continuity of who's Spider-Man in that time period. Or in this, where you give pretty much every writer at Marvel the middle finger when it comes to tie-ins, when it comes to relevancy. You, you just said, I don't care. This is my boat. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. And it's just... Mm. Unfortunately, so, yeah. and I think my big thing about Civil War 2 is, is that it finally cemented that Bendis is about 10 years past his prime. Eesh. Woo, shit. <laughs> I would say, Honestly, yeah. I would She's say, right. I would say Miles was, prob was probably his last, you know, great thing. But yeah. I, I think, you know, particularly if we're going to supplement this with a Superman run, like, I think Bendis is about 10 years past his prime. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're really right. Because, I mean, what, he, uh, he wrote New Avengers, right? 
Yeah, he wrote he, he wrote the iconic New Avengers. He wrote That's the a phenomenal Avengers. book. Yeah. He wrote Disassembled. He relaunched the entire brand of Avengers when Marvel literally thought the Avengers were a dead book. Like, he saved a lot of what Marvel was supposed to be in the early 2000s. He basically set up the entire Marvel landscape for when Mark um, uh, Miller came in and wrote Civil War, the original Civil War. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, I, I felt like Mary was gonna cut in, and I thought I'm like just going, and I felt like I was crazy. Oh but no, I'm sorry, I was eating M and M's. Oh, hungry. it's fine. So when going into this event, it very much felt like, and you'll notice it as we talk about it. Not only is Carol Danvers just lined up for character assassination, but the lack of respect and care for the rest of the Marvel universe as a whole is shown through this event. So we we begin the event with the free comic book day issue where War Machine James Rhodes flies down to the Triskelion, the, the headquarters of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Ultimates and uh, Alpha Flight all are there at this time. And he arrives to see his um, girlfriend thing? I don't um, know. Like, Gerald it... Danvers? That they randomly slipped into Endgame, by the way. I just want to throw that yeah, out no, there. Like, uh, this was never a thing before this event. I've checked. I've, I was like, did Kelly Sudokonic make this a thing? No. Did, like, somebody make this a thing? No. And it's just this random thing that Bendis created to give Carol um, a reason <laughs> to, be a, to be a bitch. And, like, like, oh, she had feelings for Rhodey, and they were a thing. So now we're going to make her have so much grief on grief for no reason. Let me explain. So, um, Rhodey is there to visit his girlfriend, uh, Captain Marvel, and T'Challa happens to be there and makes a little funny joke about the ancestors forgive me for what is happening next to uh, your suit and whatnot. That was very cute. But then the Inhumans arrive, uh, as this is all going down, and say, hey, um... This random motherfucker right here can see the future and tells us that Thanos is going to break into one of your shield bases and steal the Cosmic Cube. Um, we're trying to warn you of the situation. So Carol rallies the troops and gathers the Ultimates and everybody and She-Hulk happened to be there after She-Hulk. Funnily enough, the, the book actually, be, the, the, the issue zero begins with She-Hulk's situation where she had just got done losing a case with a um a supervillain who was thought to have been being a supervillain again but was just reminiscing about the good old days when he used to be a villain so he was put on trial for it and was um put in jail for it so she was very upset about that at the time but during this entire debacle with this situation we have them all going to where um Thanos is supposed to be showing up and Thanos is like how the fuck are you people here? What the fuck is going on? And he's just, like, he randomly has, like, guns strapped to him. Like, he's cable and shit. Doesn't even use the guns because like, he starts just boxing the fucking ultimates and the inhumans and shit. And it's fucking hilarious. And as the fight goes on, he freaking just throws Medusa around like a rag doll and throws her into War Machine. And Carol gets blasted by Dazzler and, and Blue Marvel. That way she has all this energy to fight Thanos. But it doesn't even matter because then Thanos just freaking blasts a hole through War Machine. And then yeah. has one of War Machine's rockets launch itself at She-Hulk and put her into a coma. 
Great start to our book here, folks. Uh, yeah. It just, it's so fucking painful. Like, yeah. and it's dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, look, if, you know, sure, Thanos versus Rhodey, I'm giving that one to Thanos ten times out of ten. But he couldn't have gone down with some damn dignity. Not against Thanos, hell nah. What you mean? Thanos is that guy that will shoot your crib up and wait out, wait for you to come outside, just to yep. make sure you did. And it was so funny too, because like you have like some of the most powerful creatures in, on all of Marvel's history here. You have freaking Monica Rambeau. You have Carol Danvers. You have Blue Marvel. You have freaking American Chavez, who could have just yeeted him into another dimension. You have the Inhumans here. You have War Machine here. You have She-Hulk here. And those two just get freaking blasted. And it's freaking nutty. And it's even funny because, like, um, She-Hulk even goes, like, ow, son of a... And, like, has the missile hit her in the tit. And she just gets blasted and killed. And you're just like, not killed, but she gets put into a coma. And it's just like, wow, you really just disrespected this woman who's an iconic uh, superhero in the Marvel landscape. You just killed a black man in the first two seconds of your book. Like, what is your thought process, Bendis? <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna make the, a bit of an uncouth joke and say that he's playing by horror movie rules. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> but because and what's and the reason why the 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 uh the Ultimates and Captain Marvel were so quick to jump on this idea that this could be a thing was because like the day prior to this going down. Um, the Inhumans had told them about, like, a Celestial that was going to land in the middle of uh, New York because it was part of Ulysses' first vision. So they rallied literally everybody in the Marvel Universe from, like, the the Doctor Strange and his uh, magic people, like Magic and uh, Damien Hellstrom and, what, and Scarlet Witch, who, at the time, and another great take of Bendis not giving a fuck about continuity, it was during the time where Doctor Strange and all those people didn't have magic because all the magic in the world had disappeared so good on, good job bendis uh, so all these people show up to basically banish a celestial and and tony and captain marvel are like hey uh guys how'd you do that and <laughs> um the, and then the inhumans reveal that this random nobody can see the future so we thought we'd warn you and they have they start having that that difficult dilemma about huh how do we use somebody who can see the future in a, in a more in a moral way? And then they and then Tony and Carol start bickering about it, and they finally just decide to drop it and move on because even Jean Grey, time displays Jean Grey, by the way, we don't like time display people in this house, but it's fine. Time displays Jean Grey tries to read his mind, and she can't even read his mind because his his mind is on some other crap where she, like, he can just see the future, and she can't understand it. So they move on and go to the next day where the Thanos shit happens and th they're all just like, fuck. <laughs> and it's the first strike into what's wrong with this event where not only are we taking a very flimsy premise of, oh, a random nobody inhuman can see the future. So we're going to bank everything off of it and try to stop that future from coming to pass. But now we're just straight up losing people for no reason. And Tony even hits on this perfectly because Ben just kind of calls himself out in a funny way where Tony straight up says, yo, if Rhodey wouldn't have been there, 
like visiting you, he wouldn't have gone to this. And it's like, damn, yeah, Bendis, if you wouldn't have forced Captain Marvel into a relationship, Brody wouldn't have died. But then at the same time, what's also like really fucked up is he kind of made it seem like Carol was at fault that there was even a relationship to begin with, which is like, mm-hmm. what's up with this new relationship none of us know about that is suddenly her fault? Exactly. <laughs> and that's, the, that's really the first example of him chipping away at her character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, and what was crazy... Before, before we get much further, I want to point out that if you really weren't reading the single issues at the time, you didn't have to suffer through this like I did. Um, <laughs> every single Marvel book running at the time had, it, had one, if not multiple, Civil War issue tie-ins. Yep the entire line typically there are trade releases of just and they're all titled civil war too because those comprise the tie-in issues so it interrupted all of the issues for you know quite like a not insignificant amount of time it interrupted all new wolverine invincible iron man miss marvel ultimates power man and iron fist a force uh, all new all different avengers Ca- captain america sam wilson and steve rogers captain marvel deadpool because deadpool had a tie-in um guardians of the galaxy because they got tied into the last minute um new avengers and nova and i believe patsy walker aka hellcat had one as well and um also amazing spider-man and miles morales spider-man and spider-man 2099 all these books and squadron supreme had a tie-in as well all these books were randomly tied in to the civil war ii event all their their plots were put on hold because they needed to be tied in to what bendis had going on yeah supplementary books that some events have done they were literally forced to be put on hold for this event. And half the time, you know, it was they had to, you know, pull something out of their ass to try and tie it in. Or there was necessary information that did silly things like make the plot work um, left out. Because Spider-Woman's tie-in book is actually quite significant because she's the one that does all the investigative research for Carol. Mm-hmm. and. Honestly, Carol's tie-in books, because all of her context and motivation and things that don't make her look like a crazy, vindictive bitch are in the tie-ins. Yep. So, and if you weren't buying Carol's book at the time, you're not going to start buying a stack of tie, you know? Nope. And so people... There's even a great Invincible Iron Man tie-in to this book that where Tony and Carol both go to an AA meeting together and like, like in the midst of them fighting and they both kind of just swear um, like, a, like, a, like a ceasefire because they both know they, they have alcoholism and they go into this meeting and they kind of like sidebar talk about this event. And it's just, it shows that Carol isn't a total crazy person. And it's like, Bendis, you're writing the book you should be writing on the side where you're messing up. And it bothers me. And I, and uh, saying what you will about Mark Millar and Civil War, it tried to have a point. Yes. I mean, you know, like I said, say what you will about Mark Millar and his, you know, political commentary, but Civil War had a decent point at its heart. You know, it was the Superhero Registration Act. Do we publicly register superheroes and hold them accountable? Or is that a violation of 
personal liberty and should they be able to operate as they will and you know that was it's a really good premise and the tie-in books for that it worked because you know and and, because you know you had team-ups like uh young avengers and runaways and that was a really interesting dynamic like that was a weird book it it was but (laughs) so you know like Peter Parker being publicly unmasked on television was a significant moment. And I feel like that is something that this event lacks. Like they, they wanted to have two superheroes fight and it's just, cause I mean, there's a follow-up issue to this Mm -hmm. civil war too, because in the original civil war event, spoiler alert for, you know, a, you know, oh god, fourteen-year-old event, something like that. Mm-hmm. Captain America is killed at the end of Civil War. Yep. He gets sniped in the back of the head, and it ends By with a time gun. Y- y- right. And that, and that. And yeah, that. Travis, hold on, hold on, Travis. Oh god! Like, literally at the end of the book, um, a freaking a Nazi Hydra villain brainwashes Sharon Carter to walk up to the, the, the front steps of the Capitol building where Steve is going to be tried for his crimes during Civil War. And, and he's she, handcuffed. Yeah, and he's handcuffed, can't fight back. And at the same time as Crossbones is trying to assassinate him anyway, Sharon walks up and shoots him in the gut with a time gun that sends his consciousness through the time stream. So effectively, his body is killed but then his brain is sent through all of the time stream to relive his greatest hits. And for the longest time, we just thought he was dead. We just thought he was dead. But then randomly, uh, halfway through the tie-in issues to the death of Captain America, he sends a, mis- a message to Vision to be put on pause until the day he dies. So that way somebody can reboot him with a, with, with, with a new body or some shit. Yeah, Marvel it's- comics are weird. It's some true fuckery. But I mean, even then, that was a massive political statement. The literal death of the superhero embodiment of America in the Marvel Universe. And like, we're still in the Bush administration at this time. So like, these are significant moments. And like I said, say what you will about Millar. Say what you will about the event as a whole. I'm not defending the event. I thought it was a really mediocre event. At some point, we'll go to it, because it's very funny that we're covering the, the sequel and not the original, but we'll get to Because it it's, it's not even a sequel. Like, the the only similarities are, capt- are that Iron Man is fighting someone named Captain. Like, <laughs> Holy she's shit. Right. She's, right. <laughs> she's literally right. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. He even cuts at Tony a few times during the book, like, uh, do you remember when we did this? Like, you know, like there's there's a whole moment when uh, Tony because that's what the like the next issue talks about is that Tony um like gets a full like because he kidnaps Ulysses and takes him to a bunker in Stark Tower where he makes an entire digital map of Ulysses's brain that way he can figure out what the fuck is going on up until the point where the Inhumans bust in the door and take him back and then Tony runs away but um as he's running away. Another vision happens, but we'll get to that one in a second because that's going to open up a whole other can of worms. But before that, but in general... One more thing. Go for it. Sorry, I just have to, like, rage about this. 
Well, I was gonna like swing part it back of, to you because well, I'll go for it. <laughs> part of what made the original Civil War work, arguably speaking, was the fact that at the end of the day, there was still a deep love between Steve and Tony. Yes. That these are two men that loved each other very, very deeply. And it broke their hearts to have to try and, you know, I'm air quotes here, fight. But it broke their hearts to have to turn against their brother kind of a thing. Like, there's a great moment in um, Jeff Loeb's Fallen Son, Death of Captain America, where um, they have the public funeral for Cap, like, in Arlington Cemetery, and Steve chokes up and can't, like, have, like, and speak on Steve's behalf. But then, like, when he takes the real body of Steve Rogers to the Arctic and has Namor bury him where they found him originally... He has a great speech where he's like, I miss your battle cry. And it's one of the most emotional things I've ever read that came out of Tony Stark's mouth. Like, that was some deep shit. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I like I know we're getting there, but like, let's not even talk about what they did to the Hulk. Oh, we're gonna get there right now, honey. We're gonna get there right now. So I would say uh... that's, <laughs> I would so... say that's really the only like the like the big moment from this book is it's the crux of this whole fucking conversation oh, is no, that oh, no, stupid no. goddamn trial. Is, it gets worse because there's something you don't know about it. There's something you don't know. So let's you're about talk to hit me about... with the Hulk scheduled this for himself thing. Like no no no, no 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 no. It's worse because. Here's what happened with, um, what was it, issue three is when the Hulk stuff pops off, or is it issue four, I believe, something like that? Um, let me look before I misquote. I think it's issue gonna... three. Yeah, so issue three of the event is, is like, in issue two, at the end, they have an entire vision of Bruce Banner Hulk destroying the Avengers and the Inhumans, the entire Marvel hero community, and, like, destroying the whole world. So, everybody and their mama rolls up to whatever random bunker Bruce Banner is hiding in at the time, and uh, Carol walks in the door, and Bruce is straight up like, hey, Carol, what's going on? How you doing? Because he don't know what the fuck's going on. He's like, yo, what's up? And then Tony walks in with no suit on, and Bruce is like, hey, Tony, no suit. He's like, that was part of the deal. He's like, what do you mean? And he, uh, they're like, yo, Bruce, you should come outside with us. And when they go outside, there's this beautiful spread by David Marquez of, like, all these freaking people. Like, both Spider-Men are there, the Inhumans, the X-Men, despite them war at the time like the avengers everybody is here and bruce is like what the actual fuck is going on and you're like oh shit what did i do yeah he's like what the fuck did i do did i hulk out my sleep or some shit and 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 they're like yo so there's this bitch over here who can see the future and he saw that you're gonna have a hulk event and kill everybody Ironically, that's here, but but we brought them anyway. And Bruce is actually like, bro, I haven't had a Hulk event in a year. What the fuck are you doing here? And they're like, we can't take that chance, Bruce. We need you to come with us. And he's like, he starts to get frustrated. On some bullshit. On some bullshit. It's going to get worse. I'm only, I'm only laying the foundation. It's only going to get worse because there's something that's not in the book that you don't know. So we're going to get there. So, 
uh, he start Bruce starts to get like like vividly upset. He's like, "Yo, I'm doing great. I'm just, like, I haven't had an event. I don't know what's going on. Leave me alone." And then out of nowhere, out of the bushes, a green and purple arrow flies out of nowhere and kills Bruce Banner in cold motherfucking blood. And I I remember reading I, I remember reading that shit when it happened, and I was like, "Yo." What the fuck? And then they run into the bushes. They're like, yo, what the fuck? What's going on? And there's Clint Barton. And he has his hands out like, put me under arrest. And they're like, what the fuck? So we go to the next issue. And um, Clint tells the story in the fastest court case trial of all time, mind you, that he's like, yo, Bruce came to me about a couple months ago said that he was worried that he might Hulk out again. And he straight up is like, yo, here's a gamma arrow that will kill me and the Hulk. And I want you to put me down if you ever see that I might turn into the Hulk. And he even makes a video diary of the claim and the fact, and and, um, Hank McCoy, the Beast, finds all this information to basically clean Clint of his record, and out of nowhere, Clint is exonerated. He's proven that he did an act of heroism for the government and for the people of the world, so that he gets off, despite emotional testimonies from Tony, from Carol, and, like, like it's so crazy. But Travis... I, 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 before I give you the the, the information that you kind of need to be more upset, I want to know your opinion about what, like, how you felt when you saw that panel. Which one? Like uh, the Bruce oh, being shot. I was um at fucking shocked to be honest with you. I think everybody was to be completely mm-hmm. fair, um, especially because they made it so like perfectly clear whose arrow it was, and at the time, mm-hmm. no context at all for what was happening and so it's like hold on wait a minute at my at that moment for me i was just like why didn't they minority report bruce being killed that was my big thing and then like because, I just kind of... because and there's a reason for that it would have made too much sense <sighs> so that so so bendis didn't do it because like that would have made sense well, because, like, okay, so, like, when they roll up on Bruce and Bruce is like, man, fuck this, I, I ain't done shit, like, I've been really good, and, like, you're feeling for Bruce at the moment, like, at that moment, I'm sitting there like, why aren't they here, what, what the fuck is going on, and then he gets shot, and you're like, okay, so, like, why didn't they make it to where they came to try to save Bruce, maybe? Um, I don't know. Doesn't make sense to me. I was upset. Oh, so, so, Travis, I want to ask you a question. Um, did, 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 were you reading the Totally Awesome Hulk book at the time, by chance? I was not, but it wasn't Totally Awesome Hulk, Amadeus Hulk, yes. Cho Hulk? I, 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 did, do you know how Amadeus Cho became the Hulk, by chance? Uh, not exactly. So, um, there was, there was, there was a whole, like, the, at first, they, we don't know how he did it. He, like, the book, the, his book starts with him just being the Hulk. And they do a flashback during his run that took place pro- like a, a little bit before um, uh, Civil War II. And they explain that during a random like Hulk thing that was going on, 
um, a lot of gamma radiation was going to um, basically kill the Hulk if he remained the uh, like if Banner remained the Hulk. So Amadeus sent out a bunch of nanites that were in his gauntlet and drained Bruce of all of his gamma radiation, and he sucked it into himself and became the Hulk in a way that he could control. So Bruce had no gamma energy in him ever and would never become the Hulk again. So, like, like to the point that wait, in the Totally wait. Awesome Hulk book, you know, you know, hold on, to the point that in the Totally Awesome Hulk book, he had started a YouTube channel where he was playing Minecraft and he was living his best life just doing his, like, his shit, just hanging out, having a good time, chilling and then this is another big example of bruce not getting not i know not bruce not giving a fuck. brian michael bendis not giving a fuck because there's this whole thing where hank hacks into bruce's files and finds out that he's testing himself with with dead gamma cells trying to figure out how to like how to keep the hulk at bay and shit but in reality Bruce hasn't been the Hulk in a year because of the fact that he can't be the Hulk anymore. So Bendis retconned everything that, um, was it Paco was writing Totally Awesome Hulk? Maybe. I think it was Pac? Hold on. I think so. so. So, so like literally everything that was happening in the Totally Awesome Hulk book is immediately retconned. For no reason, because Bendis wanted to have some controversy pop off. So now you have even more reason to be pissed at what's going on. How do you feel? I uh, I don't, I don't. Why, why, did, why was this necessary to tell me like this? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you fucking enjoy my pain, James? Like, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. That's um, that's even more fucked up because like, I I'm not so well read on the Marvel side, but I've always had this love for the Hulk because every child loves big green and angry, um, and so like I read I read Planet Hulk and Planet Hulk was when I like fell in love with the Hulk. You know what I mean? So seeing Bruce like find some peace a little bit and like nothing happened to him mm-hmm. until they just created a thing where like because like. The amount of, like, fucks that aren't given for Bruce to not have his gamma radi- like gamma radiation at all, but to also hire Hawkeye to kill him if he's ever just mad, you know? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Bruce Banner's a really, really, really smart guy, and I don't know why he would have his own death arranged if he's not transforming into the Hulk. Thanks, Bendis. Mm-hmm. So this entire thing goes down to not only stir more anger in Tony of more friends being killed because of Carol's bullshit and, like, forced bullshit on top of the fact, and Carol gets frustrated because she's living in the lane that Bendis puts her in of the ends justify the means we're trying to prevent more bullshit, and... It just continues to the point further on 
where we have another thing happen where Carol straight up is given a tip from uh, Ulysses that some random woman on the street who's a banker is a uh, a sleeper Hydra agent and is going to blow up a, a building with a bomb in her briefcase and she happens to have nothing in her briefcase. So they look at Ulysses like, what the fuck? And they still just like, like go on his word that she's a threat and have her locked up in the, in the shield base for God knows how long and carol can't find any evidence to prove she's a, a sleeper agent so they're taking away civil liberties for no reason and it just man and, and only no, no, worse for, for minority report reason for minority report reason in a continuity where timelines already are askew and all that kind of shit <laughs> I know it's going to be the next issue, and I was just flipping through again so I could remember the point I wanted to make. But what is it with this event and traumatizing teenagers? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we've got the whole, because, oh, the original Civil War had a shocking Spider-Man moment. So, of course, Civil War 2 has to have a shocking Spider-Man moment. Funny you should yeah. say that, Mary. They're sequels, but not sequels. Yeah. Yep. But, but I they're mean, sequels like, in ambition and also failure. Mm-hmm. And it's just something I want to point out is, again, the absurdity of the tie-ins. Because, no, I am not over them. I am not over them. The absurdity oh, no, of the yeah. tie-ins. And the covers were all really stupid, and unpacking these things was a nightmare. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. But, like, the A-Force tie-in is, you know, Ulysses gets a random, you know flash-forward premonition thingy that Nico Minoru is going to kill someone. And like you don't you don't fuck with my second favorite Marvel character. Nope. And I'm like, oh, oh no. And so there's some shenanigans that goes down because Jennifer is still in a coma at that point. Mm-hmm. And I do want to give credit to the art team and um that the scene where the vert where Hawkeye's verdict drops. And Carol is sitting at Jennifer's bedside. She-Hulk looks incredible in that panel. I just love that, you know. Where, where, it's, where, where she's, where it's like, yo, the yeah. bird was just red. And, and, leans out of the bed. And, and you're like. Like, it's just, weird. she looks so badass in that panel. Like, and that's the worst part is that the art in this event is phenomenal. And I hate that. But no, you know, she gets the thing that Nico's going to kill somebody. And instead of talking to Nico like a rational human person, because they're on the same fucking super team, by the way, yep. that, you know, she tricks Nico into being there. So Nico can see, you know, she Hulk and Carol's like, Hey, what's up? And Dazzler's like, she's going to arrest you. Hey, and Travis, it- what's up? You you want to know you, you want to know why you should be as frustrated as we are about these tie-ins? Uh, because it takes tie-ins to make people not hate Carol for this. Oh no 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 no! There there's a book that you were reading at the time that you would be as frustrated about the entire situation. And um, I, uh, I want you to think about what book that was real quick. What book had a tie-in that you were reading at the time that? was forced to have a tie-in in regards to this the situation. Uh, I, don't, I haven't reviewed much Marvel, so I'm like... Power Man and Iron Fist. Oh, holy shit. That wasn't even a review, but yeah. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, it was she. It was forced into a thing where Danny was locked up because like that. It, it barely has anything to do with Ulysses. It's just Danny was caught up in some shit where random uh, people showed up because of a Ulysses tip, and literally uh, Danny is uh Rand is locked up, and they have to stage a a jailbreak to free him, and then Carol shows up to throw the smackdown on Luke and Danny. Doesn't she, like, like epically what she, I remember if she rep, epically whoops their asses or not. Oh no, she, like, like she whoops their motherfucking ass, and there's like, and it's written in the most like passive aggressive way where, um, like fucking David F. Walker and Sanford Green really could couldn't have gave a fuck, and it's just like it's so annoying because like freaking Monica Rambeau's there and Songbird's there and Mockingbird's there and they're all and like literally Luke and Danny have to like explain everything to her that yo. We're not trying to cause some bullshit. Danny was put in here against his will and shit. And now we, we're, we're trying to free him while also trying to keep the rest of the prisoners at bay. And it, it ends up causing a bunch of bullshit. Well, yeah, because you got superheroes jailbreaking. I just got, like, can I summarize this event controversially? I mean, we, we ain't even to, to, to the, the worst part of it, but go for it. I feel like this whole book reads like, you know, man uses facts and logic to destroy over-emotional feminazi. Oh my fuck. <laughs> Dude! Am no! I wrong? <laughs> like, that's how this whole fucking book reads. It's that, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at these pages again, and I was reading it last night, and I was trying really hard not to vomit. it. But, like, Carol Danvers is not a stupid woman. She's not. But, She's one of the most courageous women in the entire Marvel universe. Like we built her to be this iconic woman figure in the Marvel landscape. Only, and the worst part about it is, and I'm gonna talk about it when we get to the end of it. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it now. We get to this point. This point where. Um, she basically tries to throw Miles Morales into jail because of uh, another vision where we see Miles almost kill Steve Cap. And she tries to put Miles in jail, and it basically feels like Bendis just had it out for Carol for no reason. And Carol, I don't think, despite Kelly Thompson's best efforts, has yet to recover from it. Like, Kelly Thompson is working her ass off to prove that Carol can be a competent superhero. Like, she barely has a status quo because Kelly Thompson's trying to hype her up and be something. But, like, Margaret Stoll got three books, three different relaunches, like the two different Captain Marvel relaunches and then the life of Captain Marvel. And all of them were cut short because of lack of sales because of Civil War II. Like, I, like, like say what you want oh, about Margaret and that's Stoll. not even... And that's not even... And I mean, don't get me wrong, Stoll is partially responsible for that. I, 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 I didn't read them. I'm not going to put blame on Stoll because she came but, from the, the young adult market. I'm not going to throw shade at Stoll because this isn't entirely Stoll's fault. It's Bendis's fault. How she, handled, how she handled some of these tie-ins was very messy and did not help the situation. True. Because the most unfortunate panel in this entire event is in the Civil War II tie-ins, where Magneto... She's talking to Magneto, and he's kind of like, wow, you're acting a little fashy for my taste. Mm -hmm. And Carol says something to the effect of, oh, I get it. You're the guy online that compares everybody to Hitler. She says that to Magneto. 
Wow. The literal Holocaust survivor. I mean, now the argument can be made, is Magneto a fa- like a textbook fascist? That yes. Depending on who's writing him, yeah. <laughs> He's a super, like, I, technical eco-fascist, like. But it's just, like, <laughs> you're really gonna drop the whole Hitler situation to the guy who was very famously, and Carol would know. Because, I mean, Carol ran with the X-Men for the longest time. That's how she turned she into did. binary. Yeah, she did. And it's just, like... She would. This is something she would know, and I cannot help but feel like that is a deliberate, like snark on Carol's part. And now, st- the book it was called out very heavily, and Stoll did apologize for the line because people are like, "Wow, this is really fucked up." But it's still in print. I know at the time there was talk about removing it for trade, but I don't. I never followed up if that actually happened or not. Well, and the, the biggest part about my whole rant about, like, the disrespect to Carol is the fact that, like, say what you will about Stoll's run, they basically, did, and, we'll, and we'll talk about this when we finally do get to Secret Empire, they basically... Oh, don't tell me we're doing We're going to do a roast of Secret Empire. We're going to do, a, like, a dissection of Secret Empire. But when we, like, the same thing kind of happened with Secret Empire, where... Marvel just kind of handed the the desecrated remains of Steve Rogers to Mark Wade and just told him to get Steve back on a status quo and let people enjoy a wholesome like like white Captain America comic again and like Captain America like went into the future because he was frozen again and like did some time jumping and had a good little romp on his motorcycle and it, it really felt like a, a forgiveness tour to the white nerd fans same thing happened happened with Stoll, where Marvel basically just kept telling her, yo, fix this. Yo, Bendis ruined this character. Fix her because we have a movie coming out. And it literally went from like the mark like the the, the 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 run that was going on at the time to then relaunching it again to, like dur- during a uh, Marvel Legacy to then canceling that book and giving her the life of Captain Marvel miniseries. And it just felt like Carol couldn't catch a break until a year later after her movie came out where Kelly Thompson was given the reins. And it just feels like Carol still hasn't recovered because she can't get a moment to breathe and find her footing and make herself be something. Because truth be told, before all new, all different Marvel, and then before that with Kelly Sudakonic's run, Carol wasn't a prominent figure in the Marvel landscape. And that's not to the blame of her or her, like, potential. That's the blame of Marvel as a whole, where you didn't see a female character-led book unless it was a miniseries. Like, yeah, Spider-Woman had a thing here. She-Hulk had a thing here where she could be propped up as a sex symbol. Like, before, like Black Widow would have, like, a thing here and there and a side book with Daredevil or Spider-Man. Like, you would rarely ever see a prominent a woman figure you're in a Marvel book, like as her own title. Like same thing still happens of DC, where like unless they have a super or bat tied to their name beyond Wonder Woman, you don't God. see any women characters. But Carol, by the grace and holiness of Kelly Sudakonic, was brought into prominence, and they finally gave her the captain spot and was told, "Hey, be something." And then Bendis came in like a wrecking ball and just fucking ruined everything. 
it breaks my heart when literally Carol, freaking like, like amazing feminist icon that can be a symbol for women everywhere, looks at a black Latino boy and says, you're being put under arrest by the fact that some random motherfucker we just made up said you're going to kill Captain America. Like, that Honestly, bothers like me. In that moment, I felt like Carol was one of those white women in public spaces that calls the police <sighs> on, like... A Karen Danvers. Karen Danvers. But, and see, this is, I think, the eternal paradox with Captain Marvel is that Wonder Woman is her biggest obstacle, whether mm-hmm. intentional or not, because that's a, that's one of Wonder Woman's biggest problems is that every lady superhero at some point in time is compared one-to-one with Wonder Woman. Now, Kelly Sue DeConnick had the chops to, you know, make Carol Captain Marvel because that's my biggest critique with the whole transition from Miss Marvel to Captain Marvel was that I felt like it was out of nowhere. That all of a sudden they're like, oh my god, look, it's a lady, you know. I felt like, I don't know, it's, I'm just nitpicking at that point. But it it was very out of nowhere because they wanted to start positionings like her to be the lady hero that she could be but it was out of nowhere rather than being this push for more diversity that marvel needed and back to my to my point if you don't mind yeah sorry, um, sorry. I'm, I'm just yelling no you're fine you typically are <laughs> <laughs> but um you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick had the chops to, you know, essentially create Carol as this new figure, if you will, without pulling a direct Wonder Woman thing. Because unfortunately, we've seen multiple female, uh, multiple lady superhero things where you can very clearly see the Wonder Woman comparison. And that just simply is by the fact that Wonder Woman is one of the oldest still running lady superheroes. She wasn't the first, technically, but she's the, air quotes, first. And, you know, KSD was able to do that successfully and to create this, you know, be able to take Carol and, like, what makes Carol such a cool person and kind of help shape that into this new figure. I don't think Stoll had that ability. And, uh, you know, admit I did not like, I was reading the Stoll run. I did not like the Stoll run. I'm shaky with Kelly Thompson on a good day, but I have larger issues with her. It just as a narrative thing, I actually think she's oh, like, she seems like a nice person. I just have issues with some of her writing. Mm-hmm. But, and it's just like, I don't know. Like, this event I feel like was stacked against Carol time and again. Mm-hmm. And I know that, and I know that a lot of this episode has been focused on that, but that's just how egregious it was. Because, you know, I was working at the comic shop at the time and it was a storefront and a warehouse, and I did both. And we would flip through the issues uh every so often, like if there was downtime or whatever. And one of the guys I worked in the warehouse with was flipping through an issue of Civil War II and went, see, this is why I don't like Carol Danvers. And like and honestly, Captain Marvel, like, adaptation-wise, she's going to be fine. Captain Marvel pulled in over a billion dollars at the worldwide box office. Like, she's going to be fine. 
but within the comic books, this kind of damage is lasting. Yeah, she still hasn't recovered from it. It sucks. And, like, it's real easy to, you know, look at... Unfortunately, I think Kelly Sue DeConnick kind of... Uh, Kelly, oh my god. Captain Marvel kind of suffers from a Batwoman problem, where the best work in her repertoire is her first book. Kind of a thing. Yeah? That Elegy... Elegy is Batwoman's best book, and KSD's run is uh, Captain Marvel's best run. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's know. it's the Batwoman problem. I have a lot of bizarre names for things because I like to pretend I'm an academic. No, you're, <laughs> you, I mean, you pretty much are like a comic book academic when you think about it, Doug. But no, nah, it's just like, because like, yeah, from there, the, the rest of the event is and there's this there's this great moment where the guardians of the galaxy show up in the midst of the battle that like some of the heroes have yeah and like at, and at the time the guardians of the galaxy book was also being written by brian michael bendis and it was a fucking atrocious book where brian michael bendis was told by um marvel to rewrite star lord as a character and make him more like um chris pratt and i hated it and Granted, that was oh. the time period where they made Chris Pratt, uh, like, not Chris Pratt, Jesus Christ, where they made Peter Quill buy, good, good job, Marvel, but in general, that was the time period where he's just Chris Pratt, and it's fucking annoying, and he has this weird moment in the book where Tony, like, straight up hacks um, uh, Star-Lord's helmet, is comms, and says, yo, like, did she explain what's going on here? And he's like, yeah, she told us everything that happened, and that you're out of your mind, and yada yada, and it's like... Okay, so, like, Dan Abnett's uh, Peter Quill wouldn't, wouldn't have thought that. No. He, pro- he probably would have, like, looked Carol sideways <laughs> and been like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Green Guardian <laughs> Galaxy movie, Peter Quill was a, a genuinely, like, intelligent guy. And I hate that they brought that movie dumbassery into it. Like, that's the biggest complaint, and what's ironic, and we'll talk about it when we do our bonus episode about Suicide Squad, is um, James Gunn was more um, comic accurate with Suicide Squad than he was with Guardians because Marvel told him to make Guardians more, like, accessible to the casual audience. But if you ever go read um, Dan Abnett's Guardians of the Galaxy that ties into Annihilation, um, that's one of the coolest fucking superhero space opera things ever because it feels like it's supposed to be this amazing, like, kick-ass, like, Star Trek but Marvel thing ever. And yet we never get to see that because the the, the the comic has translated into the movies because of popularity and Baby Groot and yay. And it's just... And can I make a really bad James Gunn joke? Sure. At least in the Suicide Squad, he let all the people of color... He, he didn't make all of the people of color be aliens. Yeah, but he totally character assassinated the one black woman in the room. He did... He did what? Um, oh yeah, no, halfway through the movie, he's straight up- She hasn't seen it! I haven't seen it, but he he does something to my my wife, Amanda Waller. He he literally makes her seem like a megalomaniac who's lost control and has one of her office workers smack her in the head with a golf club and knock her out. Uh, Yeah, yeah, see? See? She tries, she gets it! She gets it! (laughs) Okay, first of all, how the fuck do you disrespect Amanda Waller like that? She they call her the wall for a reason. And how Thank the you. fuck do you how do you disrespect Viola Davis? Thank you. 
Mm-hmm. That woman is a living goddess. Did you see her play Ma Rainey? We'll talk about this next week on our bonus episode. So this is why you and Victoria need to watch that this week. That way you can help me yell at Travis. But we need to get back to what's going on. Yell at me. It was still a good movie. Fuck you. (laughs) I'm angry that you disrespect. No, you do not disrespect Viola Davis. She disrespects you and you thank her for it. Oh, my fucking God. Travis, I'm right. This is what I needed. I told you this was going to happen, that Mary was going to be on my side. But anyway, uh, back to the the book at hand, Civil War II. So we get to the end of the book where after the giant fight has gone down and Tony has taken um, his troops along with Black Panther, where Black Panther has this this great moment after the fight has calmed down where um, he straight up stands up to Carol and says, yo... I think you're off your rocker and gone too far. And I've been with you this entire time. But if you attacked Captain America, Steve Rogers for defending Miles Morales, despite the vision saying Miles is going to kill him. And if you uh, try to arrest Steve Rogers, I will literally fuck you up. And if you touch me while I'm fucking you up, that would be an entire attack on the nation of Wakanda. And I just. And then Carol Carol called the police because she felt threatened. Pretty much, yeah. Like, Maria Hill walks up and says, fine, I'll do it for you. And it's like, oh, you straight up just carrying the whole situation, which makes Travis's joke even funnier. Like, you called the police on black people. And, and just... Mm. She did that. She did that. She, she literally did. And then, like, um, Doctor Strange rolls up and goes, yeet, to all of them and just disappears and takes them all to one of Nick Fury's infamous shield bunkers, like how Steve did in the original Civil War. Nice tie in there, Bendis. And from there, um, they just sort of recoup and figure out what they're going to do until the moment where Miles is found out to be at the Capitol building where the vision is supposed to take place. And Steve goes to meet him. And there's this great moment where Steve and Miles go, this isn't going to happen, right? They're like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. And then when Carol shows up and tries to, like, arrest Miles yet again, also, prior to when, but prior to Steve showing up and Miles is on the Capitol building, all the cops roll up and almost kill Miles, which is another great allegory, Bendis. Good job. But anyway, when Carol shows up and tries to arrest Miles again, um... Tony pulls up in the biggest fucking Hulk Buster looking war machine armor he can. Like it literally is black and silver, like a war machine armor to put like the knit, like like the dig the salt in the wound again for randoms for random Carol's love interest that she never had before, and just straight sucker punches her in the face uh, with this giant war machine armor, and then a fight ensues. Now. If we swing back to Ulysses, he has this crazy, he's been getting stronger with his visions to the point that as we've been talking about, he's able to start pulling people into his visions and letting them see what's going on. Ergo the Bruce Banner situation, ergo ergo the whole Miles Morales situation. And then he grows so powerful that he's able to teleport into his visions and talk to people. So he has a vision of the future of the old man Logan universe where Logan is randomly killing one of the redneck Hulk children that's in that book. A really weird book. Um, Read at your own discretion folks um because while it's one of the most iconic works of fiction in the marvel universe it is it, it, it's, it's a lot 
it's a lot of incest and weird things and prepare yourself. But anyway, it's classic Mark Millar. Yes. But it, um, in, in, in what's going on in, like in, in the, in the uh, future, in, in what Ulysses asked Logan is, it's Tony's fault. And he's like, what? And he starts to leave to go tell Tony to fuck off. And Logan goes, no, it's Tony's fault for pushing Carol too far. And then everything clicks. So then... Delicies wakes up and tells the Inhumans, we have to uh, get a hold of Captain Marvel because she's gonna fuck up. And then everybody rushes in. The Inhumans, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Ultimates, everybody rushes in, but it's too late because Carol does the same shit that Thanos did to Rhodey and blows out Tony's back and kills him. And it's... And I think that is the biggest indicator that this book was setting up Carol to get sniped Captain America Civil War style. See, Bendis, I can do it too. Um, Is the fact that it's a one-to-one comparison. It's like, look, she's doing the Thanos thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, what what are you trying to say here? That crazy... Like, crazy woman went crazy because man did thing. Like, I don't know. Like, it just, it bugs the hell out of me. And I'm not trying to make this a quote-unquote gender thing, but, like, that's the feeling I'm getting while reading this. Yeah. It's that, you know, they're, ascent- like, I feel like Bendis is almost saying that, you know, oh, Carol Danvers has, like, the, you know, emotional range of a toddler, like, and, you know, especially when we see in these goddamn tie-in books that, you know, it's Carol's direct involvement that kind of lead thing- leads things to go awry. Jumping mm-hmm. back to the Force thing very briefly, if Carol would have left well enough alone, Nico wouldn't have had to kill someone. Oh, yeah, no, there's, there's a great issue of Tom Taylor's all-new Wolverine that's a tie-in to Civil War Two, where, um... Ulysses has a vision that Captain Marvel communicates to Laura that all that old man Logan isn't to be trusted because he kills Gabby and her. And at first, Laura's like, nah, that's not true. He's Logan. That wouldn't happen. But then the police pull up and shoot Logan into a feral rage, which is a very common thing for people who are of the Wolverine variety, as Laura should know. But then when he's in his feral rage, his berserk mode, he almost kills Gabby, which him and Laura fight. And then she goes, you're not the Logan I know. And they end up parting on on a bad note for a long time. And it's, a, it's so fucked up. And some uh, and some context that makes the moment really shocking because you're like, oh, Gabby is a healing factor. At this mm-hmm. point in all new Wolverine, we did not know that. Yeah. That you know, and Laura, and more importantly, Laura did not know that. So, and it's it's a pretty gruesome panel. Like <laughs> you see him run her through, like he picks her up, and Laura genuinely believes that Gabby is dead. Mm-hmm. And she's like ready to fucking kill Logan over it. So it's just like when you see that shit and like there's even a great and I think one of my favorite things that literally shows that G. Willow Wilson specifically could have given a shit about what was going on 
is there's a great uh, Miss Marvel tie-in that I read back in the day where she straight up has Kamala give uh, Carol the metaphorical finger because of a vision partially coming true, but in different circumstances because the fact that Ulysses it like told it incorrectly and they put the wrong person at risk and like the, everything ends up blowing over fine but then a random villain in the background goes hey you know you know you think they would have known all this because of that one movie and you just kind of look over like what did he just say and everything clicks that g willow wilson straight up called out bendis for like stealing from minority report and it's just like, damn. <laughs> so, when you reach the end of this book, and you see the developments that occur from here on out, that the Marvel Legacy Initiative was about to occur, where Riri Williams steps into prominence, because she even gets a cameo in this book right before Tony dies, and... Miles has to deal with the fallout of everything goes on, and Sam is the one that's uh, that's put into prominence. And then the real stinger that leads into Secret Empire that will leave this whole situation on on, on a cliffhanger is that everybody saw in that uh, vision ab about what goes on with Miles and Steve, except they didn't see the whole picture because Steve sees Hydra flags in the back of the Capitol, which proves Steve Hydra wins. So. Yay, tie-ins done by Nick Spencer that tie things together because he thinks Bendis is an idiot. But then, what makes everything so fucking stupid at the end of the book yeah, is that... Tell me it's into a goddamn watcher. Yes, literally. So, in the event Original Sin, there's an, uh, an event occurs where Uatu the Watcher and um, Nick Fury fuse into one being eternity and eternity shows up at the end of this book to deus ex machina ulysses away and turn him into a watcher basically and we haven't seen shit hell or high water about ulysses since he no longer exists he's been whisked away into the cosmos where we'll never see him again and it is the funniest shit you have ever seen, where all this shit is blown up around you, and then Ulysses just goes away. Like, it's not as bad as what happens to Layla Miller, where she gets roped into a bunch of X-Factor stuff and just kind of marries Jamie Madrox in the weirdest fucking way. But, like, it just kind of, like, he just goes away. And it's the weirdest fucking shit after Tony dies. And, and I'm sorry, like, I hate Beast's entire monologue at the end. Go for it. Where he's talking about, you know, when Tony is, like, not quite all the way dead. Mm -hmm. And Beast is all like, hey, he trusted you, and Carol's like, stop it. And he's like, no, 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 no. Tony thought, you know, you were fine, you were doing the right thing, you were gonna save a bunch of people, but it was, but it was the people who were gonna come after you. And like he calls it, and I and I give Hank credit for calling Carol out that this was profiling. Yeah. That's all Carol was doing. And you know, he brings up the point of what happens when the people who come after you do something less noble with it. And it's like this is a half-assed attempt, and literally, hell, I'm I'm gonna say a quarter-assed attempt to try and save some modicum of face for Carol. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, it's just kind of that, you know, 20 seconds before the end of the show wrap-up, like... Uh, and, of course, Hawkeye pops up, and he's all like, eh, eh, you're no better than me. Yeah, pretty much. And it just... And then we get the reveal at the end of the book that, oh, Tony isn't dead. He just developed this technology to put himself into a healing coma like Superman. And then you find out later on in Bendis' run of Iron Man that Rhodey was also put into a healing coma. So yay, they're not dead because comics. Mm. (laughs) Honestly, controversial opinion. Marvel needs a hard new 52 reboot. No, 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 I agree with you. I agree with you, especially because we live in a world where the new 52 w- was horrible and was half-assed, and Marvel could literally come in with, with, with a sledgehammer, break all the rules, and reset it correctly, and make it like a new Ultimate Universe, but make it the correct way we're putting all of these heroes in a modern setting would be a great thing. And then we could just, or or if anything, like here's a more controversial opinion. Marvel needs a future state. Marvel needs a future state. Yeah, no, Marvel needs a future state where they finally do what we talked about in episode uh, 58, where you just, you put you put uh, Steve to bed, you put Peter to bed, you put Tony to bed, you put everybody to bed that doesn't need to be here anymore. You put them, like, either retire them or put or put them in the ground, and you say, hey, Miles is the amazing Spider-Man. Um, Riri's the uh, invincible Iron Woman. You, 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 or, like, or, or Iron Heart, or whatever. You have, um, Miss Marvel being Captain Marvel. You, like, this that you can even you can even figure out a way for tony to like ultron himself and he would be like the jarvis for for riri if it was really that necessary you know what i mean hey travis funny you should say that because that happened that's kind of what he does in invincible iron man is that he's yeah he uploads his consciousness into an ai Wow, and it kind of like like right after like right as Carol is killing him, he has a he has a remote system be sent to Riri to give her a scholarship to a big t- uh, tech school and gives her an, a Tony Stark AI Jarvis and says, "Here, I'm going to teach you how to be Iron Man." See, Travis, you're a smart cookie. <laughs> Bendis wrote oh. that book too. I'm upset. And <laughs> and he's and see, that's the thing, is that, oh, Bendis was going to write Invincible Iron Man at the time, you know, he's going to do the Riri thing. And you can't make Tony look like an asshole before he starts mentoring the next generation of Iron people. And then too bad we just turned him into a hologram and then just made him be the ne- the, the, the mentor to the Iron people. And, then that's, and, then, and there, there's this great moment in, like, issue five or six where Tony presents the data of why Ulysses... Um, visions aren't totally correct. They're just algorithmic um, visions based on the energies of the people he's near. And he explains all of this to Carol, Steve, Medusa, Beast, and Doctor Strange. And he like, sits everybody down, and Bendis even gives Tony the friggin' knowledge to look Steve in the face and be like, yo... <laughs> The last time I fucked up and was on the wrong side of something that like that that you and I were on the wrong side of the board, I ended up killing half the people in the fucking room, including yourself. 
So whatever you say, Steve, I'm going to be a part of. And since Steve's Hydra cap at the time, he looks over at Carol and goes, Carol, what do you think? And Carol goes, well, I'm still going to do whatever the fuck I want. Bye. And just blows a hole in the bunker and leaves. And it's just like, wow, you treated Carol Danvers like she was a petulant child and made Tony Stark the logical one in the situation. Good fucking job. Man uses facts and logics to destroy over-emotional feminazi. Yeah. And the thing about it is, I don't even like using that fucking term, feminazi, because usually, like, feminists should be respected, but in reality, you're right that they pretty much just, like, Bendis pretty much just made her a joke, made her a caricature of what she should be. Yeah, and and it's like, I used feminazi because that's the pejorative. Yeah, I know know what you were doing. That's why I was like, yeah, no, like, you're right. It's what's going on, and I hate it. It's it's so disrespectful because like she shouldn't be treated like that. So we reach the end of 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 this book where Carol has gone on to then like begin the the next uh, relaunch of the Ultimates book and then a relaunch of her book by Margaret Stoll that sold poorly because everybody hated Captain Marvel at the time. You have Riri beginning her training, and the ramp-up to the Secret Empire begins, and Marvel Legacy was atrocious. So, I I don't know what Marvel expected to do after this, especially when they had to hype Carol up more for the release of her movie. More of whatever the fuck they wanted. And not to mention, you know, with the introduction of Riri, we saw Comicsgate. And yeah. com- an early Comicsgate used Civil War II to prop up the tox- quote-unquote toxicity of Carol Danvers. Oh, yeah, no, they uh, used that as their entire... No, Travis, like, you're, you're calling her Karen, uh, Karen uh, Danvers? They literally used any, like, semi-muscular drawing of Carol that wasn't super sexy and called her Carl Manvers. They used it at... They uh, used it, I just want to take right. this opportunity. To, I just want to take this opportunity to say out loud that if you don't like muscle mommies, then shut the fuck up and take a seat. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You know, like literally, that was their bit. That's Comicsgate's biggest problem. Or original base Comicsgate, led by Diversity in Comics. That's the last time I'm ever gonna say that bitch's name. Like, you, like he literally propped Carol up as this feminazi that no one should read. That she's this over muscular version of a woman that no one should ever respect. That she's giving women this drive to not be sexual beings anymore. Um, they, he started to call um Miss Marvel a terrorist, even though he had like 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 he has relations to um muslim people like uh, all this other shit he said that the entire marvel legacy generation of the next generation like he used to call um uh amadeus cho hulk gogurt hulk because of his little bit of like gelled hair because because he chose to have gelled hair and it was just this dumb ass attempt to insult any attempt for diversity and that's what came out of it like they struck like they they finally ramped up and struck gold with riri because it was the final straw of their like of of getting characters taken away from them and when carol blows out tony's back Uh. and the package is delivered at riri's house that's when Comics Gate was born. And then look, lo, lo and behold, a Secret Empire shows up. 
and gives them more ammunition because they're turning a character created by Jewish people into a Nazi. And that's more ammunition to their fire. And it gets only worse from there. So, yeah. Blame Bendis for, for, for the, the strike of Comicsgate, sadly. And I don't know how he feels about that because it, it kind of is his fault that we live in that world because, like, and, and here's the thing. I don't blame Bendis for Riri because Riri is a decent concept. He's try, he was trying to replicate what he did with Miles to give his, his adopted daughters more reasons to be, to be to want to be superheroes. Good job, Bendis. You're a good white person. You had an invitation to the cookout when you created Miles. You didn't need to do it again. You were invitation to the cookout and fuck Bendis. <laughs> Literally, he had the invitation to the cookout and then he Riri, fucked it up. Nah, Riri, fuck that. Riri and that Miles comparison you just made is a good indication of he believes his own hype. Yes. And Literally. see, here's the thing, is that he rakes in the credit for Riri when Eve Ewing, and to a lesser extent Jim Zub, did all the work. Pretty much, because Jim Zub came in during Champions and rewrote her character, and then Eve Ewing came in as the person of color and gave her more of a soul. And now Riri's just kind of floating into the ether because Marvel's still in the flux of COVID. And it's sad that, like... Riri, like, and that's why I tell you all the time, Travis, that um, I firmly believe that Bendis didn't write Naomi. I firmly believe that David F. Walker ghost wrote all of that. I will die on that hill until both both of them sit down with me and tell me otherwise. And even though I probably wouldn't believe them. Considering you just reminded me of Riri's origin, yeah, I fucking believe that a thousand percent because it, yeah, no. categorically speaking, Bendis is not good at writing not white dudes so and and like he has this problem and then i'll I'll critique like some other day where bendis likes to kind of write everybody as a teenager and it kind of makes sense that he wrote tony stark for so long like there's this funny bit that everyone recognizes like as a meme now that he's the one that invented that tony and dr strange are, are uh mustache buddies or goatee buddies because they have that little joke together and like that, they're, they're just like their their facial hair bros, and it's the cutest little fucking thing. But like, he has a problem where he wrote Peter Parker and Miles Morales for so long that anybody he writes sounds like a teenager. If you ever read his Defenders run from when the Netflix show was coming out, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, and Iron Fist all come off like teenagers fighting over who's gonna hunt down Black Cat, and it's the dumbest fucking thing ever. So like Power Rangers just before they morph. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And the thing about it is, Bendis was the one that created Jessica Jones. He's uh-huh. the one that pi- that pioneered the, the idea that someone could be a strong, independent woman that recovers from one of the, the hardest things you can c- come back from. And yet, <laughs> no, not pioneered it, but like he's the one that like made the like the thing be mainstream and made Jessica be who she is today, and why people love her from the Netflix show. I will rephrase that. Sorry for misspeaking. Um, no, you're, but, it's just like he didn't pioneer the concept. Yeah. So it's like, in general, you would think better of Bendis to respect women, and then he does this shit with Carol. Is why I, I that's why that the entire teaser of this episode was the like the character assassination of Carol because like, and here's the big here's the big catch of the whole episode, folks. 
Carol Danvers is not my favorite woman superhero of the Marvel Universe. If you had to stick a gun to my head, I would probably say Monica Rambeau is my favorite woman superhero of the Marvel Universe because she is like has so much potential and yet she's constantly shit on. And even after that, my next one will be America Chavez because uh, America Chavez has the potential to be the Wonder Woman of the Marvel Universe if she's given the respect she deserves. And I will die on that hill. She's literally I called Miss America. Have- I just want to say, Marvel, if you wanted a Wonder Woman comparison, Storm was right there. I mean, yeah, and she was married to literally African royalty for a hot fucking minute, and then... No! Uh, oh, the Amalgam Universe! They literally combined Wonder Woman and Storm! Called her Wonder Woman. They literally just called her Wonder Woman, and she had Wonder Woman's powers and Storm's powers, like, seamlessly. That was yeah. it. Like, it was probably my favorite thing other than fucking, what was it, Professor Strange? Fucking... Professor Strange. Because it was, um, it was, uh, Dr. Fate. And, no, Professor um, Strange Fate. It was Professor, because it, it was, was three right, yeah. people. Uh, yeah, and they had, like, this weird, insatiable craving for Oreos. I, I don't yeah. know. Hey, bullet, was... Bullets and Bracelets was fun, because Steve Trevor was the Punisher. Yeah. And what's even funnier about um, no, the fact... No, we need a new Amalgam universe. That's right. never gonna happen. That's never gonna happen. As long as I, they don't give me fucking Dark Claw, I'm cool. Hey man, Dark Claw was badass. You such a Like, Wolverine and Batman combined, bro? Trash. Like that was- trash. Absolute trash. Trash. <laughs> but- why don't you make it? Why don't you combine Batman and Daredevil and make an actual Batman That's who true. runs on sonar? Like, come on. That's true. That would be kind of cool. But no, you know what I find really funny about us bitching about like um, a Storm Wonder Woman comparison? Funnily enough, in Avengers versus X Men, Bendis is the one who uh, made T'Challa divorce him and Storm because of the Avenger, the, the, the Avengers and X Men having beef. And then Namor destroying Wakanda. I mean, just to, like, I get it. T'Challa's a king, yada, yada. Storm is Storm. Like, dude, you're not going to do any better than that. Like, I don't care if the X-Men and the Avengers are happy. Like, like, no, you're not going to do any better than Storm. Like, that's arguably one of the stupidest comic decisions Black Panther has ever made. You know, like, like if you ever read the, uh, read Avengers vs. X-Men, there's the, the craziest I fucking panel. I unfortunately have. Yeah, and, like, Travis, have you read it? Don't. Don't read just, it. But, like, there, there's don't. a great... The, the, there's this, I don't want that. I don't want it. The, there's this horribly great panel where after Namor floods all of Wakanda um, and Storm shows up to grieve with T'Challa, he's like, yo, we're not together anymore. And she's like, the fuck? And he's like, yeah, no, I had the, the priest of Nola this morning. And he's like, but... but she's like, but you're the priest of Wakanda. I know. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the actual fuck? And then we have, like... Five or six years of like T'Challa and and um, Aurora like video calling every once in a while, and there's this great moment in Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X Men where um, Aurora comes back to uh, X Men Mansion to help Wolverine teach, and her and T'Challa are video calling, and T'Challa's like straight up like Aurora, I, I promise you, I love you, and I'm sorry about what happened, but I need you to promise me one thing: don't fuck him. 
And then you have this crazy ass moment where Logan and Aurora are in the shower together. And Logan, while they're kissing, cuts her hair back into a mohawk for her with his claws. And it's just so cringe because you don't want it. See, I actually kind of like Logan and Storm. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. I don't like them necessarily as a couple, but I like their flirtatious romantic friendship. Okay, yeah, but like, see, I like what Hickman's done did where we have this weird bisexual thruple with Gene and Scott now. Like, no, 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 I'm not signing up Storm to be Laura's stepmom or anything like that. I just, I like that, you know, them being very close and like, it could go either way. And they both acknowledge that and they're cool with it. Like, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what I like. Because, okay. I, because I think Logan works very well as that type of character. Fair enough. Okay, so we, so we, he has a a similar vibe with Black Cat. That's fair. Okay, I'll give you that. And like, he kind of has a weird thing with Electra from when he was very feral, and then they kind of have this weird bond moving forward. So, yeah, I I get what you're saying. Logan Um, and women is goals, in my opinion. Honestly, he's man goals, bro. Logan gets more ass than a toilet seat. That's the facts. (laughs) Oh my god. That was a weird-ass comparison. But no, okay, folks. So we've reached the end of the roast. And if you haven't figured out yet, um, Avengers, uh, like, um... Civil uh, War II. Civil War II was a nightmare. It it wasn't very good. It was a fucking atrocious thing that I really do feel like Bendis just phoned in and wanted his money and didn't know what to do with it after the fact. I was speaking with a friend of mine. And uh, we were talking about the episode and they said that the feeling that they got was that um, Bendis was basically told that he had to use Carol. And this was him, you know, not being thrilled about that. Because, like, there is a, in, in my reading, there is a malicious undertone throughout. That he is that Bendis is pissed about this because so much of Carol's reactions are nothing less than petulant. And you know, aside from her being a courageous lady superhero Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers as a person is not a stupid woman, she is capable of rational thought and thinking of consequences, and that's a lot of what we don't see Carol doing. And I understand that they're like, oh, she's just really emotional because she cared so much for Rhodey, apparently. And it's like, but at the same time, you know, we've seen Carol go through things far worse than this. Yeah. And if you've read early Avenger in 90, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've we've seen Carol go through way worse and come out the other side still a halfway intelligent human person and this is just like i don't know people just don't react that way and there are at multiple points in the book people are like hey carol hun you just sit and think about this for a minute and she says no and then she runs off to go arrest teenagers like so so um I, i i waited till the end of the book to or the end of the end of our rant to speak on something oh lord because 
sucks because um I can't remember if it's the uh, yeah it's the issue zero of Civil War two where Carol's entire motivation for the book is laid out from the first couple pages where she has a visit from Doc Samson. If you ever if you don't know who Doc Samson is, pick up a Hulk book. Um, Doc Samson is known to be the superpowered uh, psychologist uh, or the superpowered doctor in general of the of the Marvel universe. And when he has a visit with Carol, because they just haven't talked in a while, but also he was sent by some other superhero companions to check on her because she's been through a lot lately when it comes to like Infinity and Secret Wars and things and such and yada yada. And um, she she talks about how she heard from her cousin um, recently where her cousin had an incident where her two kids almost died from like the running with scissors and yada yada and like how her sister her cousin is a superhero in her own right for just trying to keep her kids safe and she and carol's constantly stressed out about how she wishes there was a way to keep the world safe before something happens and Bendis kind of laid out carol's entire motivation why she's hard pressed about the shit right there of how she wanted a method to protect the world. And she already had the whole motive before Rhodey walked in the door in the free comic book day issue. Like you didn't have to kill Rhodey. You had to like, see, he had to set foot on the whole fucking property and Carol still had her whole motivation right there. But how will we know how like diverse Marvel is if the white people aren't sad about the black guy dying? I hate it's just, like it's just like I hate it, but like I'm not wrong. You're not, no. And so I hate was... and I hate that whole Bendis laying it out because he frames her like through the example of Carol's cousin. He like he frames her as an overbearing mother. That you know, obviously, you know. A parent is supposed, Travis, I'm sure you can speak on this. You're supposed to make sure your kids don't, like, you know, lance themselves on scissors. That's important. But on that same, you have to have a balance. Like, you don't want them to lance themselves on scissors, but at the same hand, you you kind of want them to, like, fuck their knees up if they're trying to learn how to skateboard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And And so, you know, we take that understandable concern to I need to imply apply this to the entire world because I'm the only one who can keep people safe. Like it's just like, like she internalizes that. Like through the entire like interaction she has with Samson, she internalizes this need to protect the world because she's so stressed out about it. And it's like you kind of over like in there's the joke that I hear from like gators a lot that women are bad superheroes because they're emotional beings. And Bendis the kind fuck of does that even mean? <laughs> it right? It's toxic masculinity. And it's like... Because, because, Travis, men aren't allowed to have feelings. I sent yeah. you the memo earlier. Right. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's like, there's the entire thing that Bendis pretty much just laid out and gave them ammo that Carol is so angry, not only at the idea that she can't protect her family, she can't protect Rhodey, because Rhodey's now dead. He, she can't protect... um. 
Jennifer, uh, like uh, Jennifer, because Jennifer's in a coma. She she can't protect Bruce despite wanting to just put Bruce in jail. That way he doesn't do anything. She can't protect Miles because uh, Miles is gonna kill Steve. She can't protect Steve. She can't even protect herself from killing Tony. She can't protect Ulysses from Tony because Tony kidnapped him. She can't protect anything. So now she's so angry at the world that she's gonna die on this hill that she can protect the future, and that sucks. The process be damned. Right, it's like, kind of like, like back to the parenting thing. Like, let's say, like I don't know, kid burns themselves on something. This is kind of like Carol burnt herself on something, and then like kept holding it to try to overcome the heat. <laughs> and instead of figuring out, hey, maybe I should fucking let go a little bit, she held on further and then killed Iron Man. It was like, yeah, whatever, fine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> One more thing that I want to talk about is the stupid epilogue issue. Oh, yeah, where I don't, like, I don't like talking about this one. It's all you because this this issue pisses me off. Because in the end of Civil War, the original, there is a scene issue. I don't remember if it's a single, a full single or not. Um, where Steve's body is laid out on a slab and Tony is talking to him, and it's a very emotional like okay, maybe we both fucked up a little bit kind of a scene. And what they do is they have Tony's body all laid out and Steve, you know, who is Nazi cap at the time, comes in like, oh, I'm going to pontificate about being evil. Like, yeah. just, oh my oh. god. It just, yeah, no. Yeah, you didn't read that, did you, Travis? Hell nah. See, I'm so glad I stuck to the main issues and read none of the tie-ins, none of the other like, shit. Nah, like, like, there's so much anger we have about that thing because, and we'll talk about it because here's the thing. I'll be the controversial bitch in the room. I don't think Steve being a Hydra agent was a bad idea because of how they did it. They had freaking Red Skull take a... They fucking fumbled the bag when they let Miles and not Sam take him out. Fumbled it. Well, no, like, like here's the thing. Miles never does it. Because what happens happens is the whole reason why Steve is a Nazi is because Red Skull takes a child that was formed out of the Cosmic Cube and and makes Steve go from an old man back into himself from when um, he was in the the weird Dimension Z, and that's why he gave Sam the shield. He takes Steve from being an old man back to being... Um, an adult and healed and have super soldiers, you know, with, with this little cosmic cube girl. But when he does that, he turns him his entire history backwards. And the whole reason why Ernstkind lined him up was because he was personally selected and planted as a Nazi spy. And the only reason why he his entire tune changed was because of the fact that he was made to be this whole like he was already this noble person. He believes that he's still Captain America that he is right but he he's he's noble and true to the point that he can still pick up the Thor's hammer but he's so dead set as Steve being this noble justice person that he thinks Hydra's right and that's why the entire premise of Steve being Hydra Cap is a great idea you take the, the whole pitch and go yo this is gonna be 
him, but we're gonna make it so it's not a fucked up thing of yo, he just betrayed and the whole way of being in it's a disrespect to Kirby and all this other shit. No, it's literally Red Skull, another Nazi, took him and turned him into a villain, which has been a thing before, just not into a Hydra villain. So we're gonna make Steve be Thanks. this villain this nazi and then we're gonna make it worse why he starts going ha 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 i am evil i have a giant hydra tattoo on my back i do all this crazy shit and then at the end of the book spencer whiffed it and had had the true steve come out of the cosmic cube and punch nazi steve not stupid and then and like they even lined it up too because there's an homage in the final issue of Secret Empire that of when in the original Infinity War, when Steve walks up to go to clock um Thanos, that they they mimic that where Sam walks up to clock Steve, but then the true Steve comes out of the cosmic cube and his red, white, and blues and punches Hydra Steve. And it's just like think civil uh, excuse me, Secret Empire. I don't agree with James fully. I think it has the potential to be an interesting plot. However, at the same time, the event was fucked from start to finish. It oh, was yeah, no, yeah. it was handled so poorly, and they didn't look at the optics at all no, because because you know you, you you have a bunch of you know fucking white supremacists get to see Captain America do some Nazi shit and they're like oh cool and so they're going out and buying Hydra t-shirts in droves. Yeah, and, and like the whole thing about it was like Marvel tried to pressure comic shops into decorating oh, the whole yeah. comic shop what, into being Hydra themed and do the Nazi salute. They sent links to the merch because they wanted, and I was working in a comic shop at the time. And they wanted to have Hydra takeover of comic shops where mm-hmm. we we would wear Hydra t-shirts and say, hail Hydra when they came in or what, some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Marvel was not going to provide any of that. They sent us a link to a third party seller. We were supposed to buy and it's not coming from Disney, from Marvel, third party seller. Mm-hmm. And it was stupid. So it's like, I'm very much of the belief that Secret Empire on paper was a great pitch, but because of pressure from uh, crazy fans and pressure from the concept, Nick Spencer whiffed it, and pressure from the PR teams to calm down about the the pitch that Spencer whiffed it. But that's a whole other thing. Spencer whiffing it, it's kind of par for the course for him. I mean, have you read Morning Glories? Yeah. Plus the Spider-Man runs kind of... Truth to be desired. And honestly, but, like his city council political platform just was not good. Nope. So, oh yeah, yeah gen- he's Nick Spencer's a failed politician. Yes. So, in general, yeah. folks, Civil War Two is a it, hell of an event. I when I was rereading the Civil War Two issues, I I one starred them all on Comicsology because I'm like I'm reminded of how yeah. bad it is. And I do so, want to say. The the truly heartbreaking thing is that the late Justin Ponzer gives such an amazing body of work in that whole book. He was a color artist, and mm-hmm. he passed away maybe a year or two or so ago. Abs- like an insanely talented human being, and it is just and and revisiting that it was really painful to see his incredible colors linked to such a steaming pile of trash. Yes. So. Comics are lesser for his loss. And so it's like, 
that that book as a whole is just a mess. And folks, if you want to ever see us roast another book like this, please let us know. Um, shout us out on Twitter, send us a DM, email us at ptppodcast at on-comics-ground.com, and we will hit up another book, whether it be an event, whether it be a, a run that scarred the human race forever. Um, like, for instance, at some point, we're going to revisit Heroes in Crisis, and it's going to be a no, fun no, no. time. At some point, and I'm going to, phys- like, I'm going to hurt myself saying this. And wait, I would wait, rather- wait, 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 time out, time out, time out. First of all, I really, really, I really, really would fucking resent you if you make me read Heroes in Crisis again. Oh, we're doing it. We're doing it, Travis. We're fucking doing it. But I want to see what Mary's got. I'm, and I would rather gargle ground glass than do this, but I feel like we have to. James, two words. Amazon's attack. Oh, oh God, no, please, God. Oh, oh. Amazon's attack, bitch. Oh, no. Oh I bought that as it was releasing in single issue. Amazon, please release season three of the boys to stop this madness of my co-hosts. Oh, Travis, are you Travis. familiar? Travis, are you familiar with Amazon's attack? No. The no. Amazon, you guys keep uh, making me read terrible shit. <laughs> this it was an event. And the event was so bad that people were sending single issues back to DC headquarters. Jesus. Because the Amazons of Themyscira invade man's world. And one of the first scenes in the entire book are the Amazons cutting down a father and his young son because they're men. And... Wonder Woman has to stand against the entire Amazon society to protect man's world. Oh my God. Yeah. It's painful. Re- there's even a great Teen Titans tie-in from that time where, oh, yeah. Cassie, where Cassie Sandsmark, Wonder Girl, and Kara Supergirl have to fight the Amazons, and it's really painful. What if Ben Shapiro can't satisfy his wife? Fuck, are you guys gonna make me? Do that? <laughs> so, so you know, like, so folks, if you if you want to see us do that, um, let me know. But um, if you want us to cover any other weird ass comic events, like anything from Marvel or DC or anything else, let us know. And like in in the uh, on Twitter, uh, let us know in my email. Um, and uh, also get ready for new things that we have coming down the pipeline, like bonus episodes. Like we will have a bonus episode next week uh, that will be available via um, Apple subscription, where you can listen to us uh, to a review um, the new James Gunn Suicide Squad movie and listen to me and Mary bitch Travis about why Amanda Waller has been disrespected. But anyway, um, the, this, oh, this time I- Travis has scalding hot take. Ooh, <laughs> Travis, I, I am I am excited to see Travis return the favor. Yes, it'll be very If anything, I, I will admit I have not seen it yet. I was house sitting this weekend and I, you know, would rather, you know, watch that on my ni- with my nice sound system. Yeah. I'm literally gonna watch it four more times. Like I've seen it twice already. But <laughs> I, I can guarantee you, I think I will be more angry about the fact that Viola Davis was being disrespected. Yes. Um so from here, folks, that, we'll, Victoria we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. I, I just have one thing. Victoria once asked me who was the better Amanda Waller, Angela Bassett or Viola Davis, and I almost cried. Because Green Lantern was a shitty movie, but goddammit, Angela Bassett was was Amanda Waller. The, the, the best one there is was uh, CCH Pounder and the animated uh, crossover. Yes. So, yeah. 
God, I love this founder. <laughs> All right, so folks, we will go like we we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here. Travis, what is your closing statement for episode sixty of Panel to Panel? I still cannot completely fucking wrap my head around the idea that Bendis was just like, hmm, well, he can't turn into the Hulk, but Hawkeye was always watching him. So at one point, Bruce could have died because he had a heckler on his Minecraft stream. Oh, God. The fuck, Bendis? <laughs> he, could have, he could have been griefed and Hawkeye would have killed him. Bro, like, he could have had a creeper roll up and then just an arrow rolls up and actually kills him? What kind of shit is that? Ugh. Mary, what is your closing statement for this episode of Panel to Panel? It's what, episode 60? Yes, episode 60. That's about how many years I aged having to reread this book. <laughs> Imagine being the casual amongst you and you guys are like, hey, look <laughs> at this shitty thing we remembered. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, Travis! Because we're gonna get we're there's gonna be I think for like because we are gonna re, uh, do the the Simone saga for a Halloween, but oh, I, think it, for, right? I, th I, I think for our uh, Halloween bonus episode for the subscription service, I'm gonna make you read Batman the Cult. So get ready for that. No, right. don't all do that. All of it between this, we're doing incorruptible and irredeemable. It has to that's happen. Fine, that's fine. We'll get to it. I think we need to. I think we need to rename these episodes. They're not roasts. It's Mary and James torture Travis. <laughs> All right, folks. Look at this dumb uh, shit we had Travis read. <laughs> <laughs> My closing statement, as always, is support your local comic book shop. It is hard currently with the Delta variant uh, askew. So if your local comic book shop has a um, comicsology link, if they have a comic hub link, if they have a um my, uh, my comic box link whatever you can do to support your local comic book shop right now please do because and right get now fucking vaccinated i'm get sorry vaccinated. yeah no you're right you're, you're fine yeah no, get fucking vaccinated uh wear a mask because you protect people every day with that shit um please keep supporting good books there are amazing kickstarters going on right now that can use your support um that there are amazing books every day being created and we can only move forward with a progression of comics uh if you keep supporting them so we're gonna go ahead and, pe and peace out folks we'll catch you next week right here at panel 2 panel peace out